This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So start off by telling me, are you really fine? Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of No Really I'm Fine. I'm your host Gemma and I'm joined by my co-host Michael. Hi Michael, are you really fine today? Yeah, I'm okay, I'm fine. Just um, It was interesting, Someone, <laughs> I'm like, I'm in a really weird mood because you know when someone says something to you and it really sticks with you in like mm. a really negative way? So like on Friday someone was saying to me about... It, in an overarching sense, they were talking to me about my relationship with my sleep and how and 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 how my relationship with sleep governs like my memories. Mm. It was this seems like a really high intellectual conversation, it but does. it does. I mean, really it, just it, got started. It, like, <laughs> like, no, it really wasn't. Like it was really, it really wasn't. But I've like taken it. <laughs> but by, when I say something that stuck with me on Friday, yeah. it's it's yeah. clogged in my head over the weekend. And the, what the thought was was that basically someone said to me, "Oh." Oh, it was literally like, what did you have for tea for last night? Mm. And I was like, I can't remember. And they're like, well, why can't you remember what you had for tea last night? And I was like, well, my brain doesn't work like that. My brain doesn't, like the way my brain works is I like thinking about tomorrow. Like, and I do that as a positive mind frame. Like I don't, I don't like to sit there and go, oh, well, I can't remember what I had for tea last night because it wasn't important. It was food. Do you know, I know, well, obviously, food is important. It was like it wasn't in the grand scheme of my life. I mean, I can't remember how. Actually, I do remember what I had to take away last night. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like that in my head, I was thinking actually in the grand scheme of things, that's not important to me. But it stuck with me for the whole weekend because they were like, "Oh well, actually, if you slept better, because I don't really sleep a lot, mm. but I never have. I've never slept a lot. I don't." sleep very well at all but and they're like well if you slept more then you'd actually um remember all of these things and have a better well it wasn't like that it wasn't as as confrontational as that yeah but, but they, people's mental health affects their sleep patterns yeah so like and i was just i was trying to say that actually well maybe if i can't remember um what i had for tea tonight then who gives a crap? Like, yeah. I don't care. I'm not thinking about that. So anyway, when you ask me if I'm really fine, I'm okay. <laughs> but I've like, I feel like I've wanted to get that off my chest all weekend. Yeah. So I've been waiting for you to ask me. Am <laughs> <laughs> I really fine? And then I was like, I'm going to wait for you to ask me. And then I'm going to rant about that. And I'm just like, now I've got that off my chest. It's great. But anyway, are you really fine? <laughs> well, I feel like I'm going to have to have a big rant now about something. But yeah, yeah to be honest, I've had... Um, a bad couple of weeks with my mental health um, and for various reasons, which I won't go into, otherwise it'll be like an hour long episode, <laughs> but um, just a lot of things going on at home. And I mean, I tweeted last night um, about, you know, sometimes w- with me, I hold in a lot of emotions, which you shouldn't do. But when you're trying to be strong for perhaps family members and, and you're trying to be strong for them because they're going through a difficult time. You sometimes forget about your own feelings and you just, you know, hold everything inside often to the point where it all comes crashing out at the wrong moment. And that's what happened to me at the weekend. And 
I had a good cry for about an hour with um, in front of my boyfriend Mark, and then once once I did that, I was fine. So today I'm feeling a bit more energized, if that makes sense, because I've had that sort of period to allow myself to be sad. So yeah. So today, what's going on, Gemma? Because we've actually finished series one, which is like series. I know. Which what are we going to do? I know. We must apologise because we didn't have an episode last week because we obviously finished series one and then I realised that we probably didn't tell... Well, we did tell everyone we finished, but we were just like, we're finishing and like in a few weeks... We, but we know, we're not gone completely. No, but. we're still here. Um, yeah, we're still here. We're still doing episodes, but we're not going to be back until October time, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to... The idea is, the plan is that we're going to relaunch for um, World Mental Health Day, yeah. uh, which is the 10th of October. Yeah. And we'll hopefully have some really exciting stuff coming for you. We're not, we don't know. Things are <laughs> things are already in the pipeline, which is really exciting. Some like, yeah. really interesting collaborations with other podcasts that are out there, which we've already in discussions with and um, like different bits and bobs like that. So And so many people have got in touch with us wanting to be involved, which is, which is a lovely yeah. feeling from since where it all started. Um you know, when me, you and, and Kate sat in a room and thought, are we going to do this? Let's do this. And it was just nice to all share that one goal. So from to go from that to, you know, a podcast that has thousands of listeners, um, you know, it's it's a it's a great feeling. Yeah. And I think another thing which has been fantastic is how many people have actually been listening to us. We've been Listen, we've had over 61,000 listeners mm. in two months, which is, we were sitting going, well, if we, we, when we sat down with like the marketing people for this, we were like, well, if we have like 2,000 listens a week, then it'll be okay. And yeah. like, we were like, that'll be, that'll be like, we, we set ourselves that benchmark. Yeah. And we thought that'd be as many as we listen. But we've been getting tens of thousands of listeners every week. And we have only been going since the the middle of the end, towards the end of May. Yeah. So actually in two months that the series ran to reach 60,000 plus of you. And it's still coming. Like, I mean, like last week when we didn't have an episode, we were still getting loads of people listening. And like, we've had like such good support so like like absolute kudos or what that's an awful word to to <laughs> to like Apple and Spotify and all the other different podcasts yeah well obviously um, our our podcast partner Acast like huge thanks to them because they obviously we wouldn't be here without them but the most important thing though is is our listeners and you know we wouldn't be here without if they didn't tune in and the the amount of su- support especially on Twitter that we've had as well it's really lovely to to see people tweeting saying oh they've just come across our podcast and they love it and from that as well to the reviews it's nice to get a mixture of reviews because at the end of the day we're coming on telling people's stories and everyone experiences their own mental health and and mental illnesses differently so um you know we we didn't expect glowing reviews um but we've had glowing reviews but we've also had reviews where people have given us some criticism and and that's totally fine isn't it no definitely because like what i was literally saying to you just before we came on air not everyone is going to agree with everything that every single person says on every episode yeah because well, that's what we find as as journalists every day. When we write a story, the way that we strive 
to be good journalist is to write something which is 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 balanced, it's impartial, and like that was something we wanted to feed through into the podcast. Like actually, it, what we're doing, everything is completely, you know, is is impartial. Like we're just throwing people's yeah. stories at you for inspiration. Yeah. And if you don't get inspiration from them, that's absolutely fine. I mean, the prime example is the Gabby Allen episode where I interviewed Gabby Allen, and and we had a few people who didn't really agree with it. Well, not agree with everything she said was great. And but if you're not coming from a frame of mind where you're physically active, mm. like not everyone is. Like I mean, at the beginning of this year, I was nearly 22 stone, and I wasn't physically active at all. But I've I've done a, a ch- I've been able to make a change in my life to to actually take lose a lot of weight and. I've seen those benefits that Gabby was talking about, but not everyone is meant no, to be and, capable and, for that. And as hosts, I think it's important to let our listeners know that we we ourselves don't always agree with the guests that we have on. So, for instance, for me with Gabby, um, you know, I've got nothing against her personally, but, um, you know, Love Island, for example, that's not a show that I watch. Um, it's not a show I necessarily agree with. Um, in terms it's not. It's not the healthiest of shows. No, <laughs> no. Um, but there was some aspects of what Gabby Allen was saying, which which was fine and, and rang true. But then there was other parts, you know, that I took issue with in terms of, um, you know, going to the gym because you know not everyone can go to the gym. Not everyone wants to go to the gym, especially no. with if you've got severe anxiety. Going into a crowded gym is is quite no, and terrifying. I, and, and I still I, and isn't it interesting? You know, this, I I still don't. So when I go, so when I go to the gym, I don't go into the gym. Yeah. Like I don't actually go to where all the treadmills or where the weight things are. I just go to the classes and yeah. like that. Find that suits me. Yeah. And like, but but anyway, that I mean that's not the point. But, but some but some people um, get their sort of. Um, help from baking, from yeah. walks, or from having a coffee with a friend, or even from watching a watching a TV show or watching immersing myself at the cinema. There's there's so much, you know, sort of ways to support yourself, and that's what we're hoping to find out a bit more in series two. You know, we want to know what what helps our listeners because you know we'd love to share that as well yeah should say we weren't going to say this so early on but if you do want to um send us suggestions for series two as listeners or if you have a story that you'd like to share with us well, there are various ways the best way to get in contact with us is that is we have twitter so that's no really oh no that oh god that's not wrong i'm gonna have to i'm gonna i can't remember what it is we're on it's, twitter it's i'm fine podcast underscore <laughs> thank god <laughs> the we the link to what we'll do is in the description for this episode we'll put all the ways you can get in contact with us yeah. um in the the main way is twitter we also have a uh email address which is podcasts at reach plc com. That's podcasts with an S. Or you can get in touch with us, um, you know, via our Twitter personally. You know, I'm I'm at Gemma Sherlock too, and I regularly tweet. Well, two. Yes. Number two. Yeah, because there was already a Gemma Sherlock <laughs> like years ago when I when I set it up. So yeah, I'm I'm the number two one. But yeah, so you can get in touch with us via there as well. But that that leads us on to um, our next topic. So this is what we want to chat about today. So we thought um, as a bit. Uh, what we'd like to talk about is our three top moments from mm. the series and we're not going to share whole episodes for you and what I will say is if you haven't listened to the whole series in in its entirety you can either use this to point you into directions that you might like yep. um, uh, but also if you don't if you're one of those people that 
doesn't like the spoilers before the end of the box set, I'd maybe, I don't want to say to stop listening, but you know. Spoiler alert, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, there are spoiler alerts, but about the series, but um, we're not going to play full episodes for you. We're just going to do like some of our favorite clips. And I'm going to start with my first one. And it is um, actually, the reason why I wanted to start with this first was because we plonked it onto the end of our very, we didn't plonk it, but it was at the very end of our first episode. And it was about a seven minute segment which um you narrated and then i produced into a package with lovely music and mm. it was about everyone talking about their body image and i thought it was really nice because so we're owned by a company which is called reach plc it's one of the biggest newspaper publishers in the uk they own lots of titles like the liverpool echo where we're recording right now they have the manchester evening news the birmingham post bristol mail the list goes on they have the daily mirror and then loads of other national titles as well so it's a huge company and what we did was we sent an email out and said we're starting a mental health podcast if anyone wants to contribute um to the mental health podcast via talking about their body image please do and send us a voice note of your thoughts and mm. we had we had about, it was about 40 people, yeah. had about 40, 50 people come back, which we for us was huge. Mm-hmm. And for us to actually put all of these thoughts about what people think, just people who we we might sit next to on the train to work, we might sit next to them. Yeah, we've never said hello to Yeah, before. And, and then there was a guy in our office um, yeah. who came and he did a, um, a poem for us on the end and... I just think it's a very nice piece. So we're going to start with this one. This is my first top moment, which is from our first episode. When I look at myself in the mirror, the first thing I see is my thunder thighs. I look up and I see my waist. And I think to myself, that's not as skinny as it used to be. Why am I not a certain weight anymore? I'm in pretty good nick, and I don't look my age. People often tell me so. But at five foot six, I'm quite short. People often tell me so. Do I wish I was taller? Sometimes. But I think I'm happy just the way I am. I've never liked my body, but since having a child, I can barely look at it in the mirror now. There's not really much about my body that I like. I've always hated having photographs taken. That's when I can see how fat I am, how weak, and everybody else can see it too. I always just seem to be taking up too much space. Every hour, every minute of every day, we see different bodies. Bodies of all shapes and sizes. Bodies which are skinny, curvy, tall, small, athletic, average, slim and large. Bodies to be proud of. But are we? Are we made to feel the love for our bodies? To respect one another's for their own individuality? And go on nurturing them and showing them off? I wish it was that simple. The generation of thigh gaps, lip fillers, skinny abs, muscles to die for and a stomach that is flatter than a washboard is upon us. Instagram is a bittersweet platform filled with support but often overachieving damaging images that ultimately impact our mental health. For years, I have hated my body, often hiding it away under comfy clothing, too afraid to show off my pale skin. And now so many gyms are there for the taking. You feel like you should be going. 
but why don't you just balance on your head and only eat broccoli? Whatever the crazy fad is, it's unhealthy. It's damaging. It's toxic to your mental health. Your body's here to stay. It's the only home you'll ever have. It's time to make friends of it. Instead of focusing on the negatives, let's start sharing the positives. Show off those scars. Show off your stomach you may not like. Show off your freckles. Whatever it is, it's you and you're gorgeous. Let's fight back against what you should be and fight for who you are. I finally feel that I'm actually coming to terms with who I am in my own body and how I look to everybody else. Um, The last couple of years, I have lost a fair bit of weight, which has given me a boost in my self-esteem and my confidence. But it's, it's a long way off from what I used to feel as being the fat friend in our group of girls at school. Now I finally feel quite comfortable in how I am. I wear clothes that aren't baggy, that don't really hide every lump and bump that I've got. And I think speaking to other women about their body image as well is a massive help in making you feel good too. And now I feel like I can finally be happier with who I am and what I look like. I like my shoulders and my arms and I particularly like to freak my children out by tensing my bicep muscles, um, which are quite well defined. Um, And what my children don't realise is it's years and years of picking them up and putting them down and carrying them around that have helped to develop perhaps one of my most favourite parts of my body. So thanks kids. Things going from 30 stone to 14 and a half stone. I've still got wee bits of loose skin around my thighs and stomach that I wish I could change, but I still love my body. Some days I hate my body. I don't want to leave the house because I don't want to be seen. Other days I tolerate my body. And some days I can't help but love it for all that it allows me to do. I think to myself, that's not as skinny as it used to be. Why am I not a certain weight anymore? But then I remember that there are people up and down the country and around the world that don't have the limbs that I have, and every day I'm grateful for that. Body confidence is something that I've really embraced in the past couple of years, and just feeling comfortable in my own skin and happy with the way I look. And It's taken quite a long time to get there, but having support from my friends and family who have all different body types has helped me accept my own and feel happy in the skin that I'm in. As a man, society makes you feel that you have to look a certain way, feel a certain way, dress a certain way. But, you know, myself, I I just want to be myself and I don't really, really care that other people might think, oh, he's a bit fat or he's, um, you know, a bit too chubby or his face is a bit round. He's got that receding hairline. But I just be who I want to be. And I think it takes a lot to do that. I think it takes a lot to say to yourself, I am who I am and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. TV, billboards and magazines are effigies of what society 
say as he should be. A glossy sheen of perfect celebrity. Photo cutouts cleaving into impressionable minds, like paper cuts to the soul. But your rainbows, you should be wearing rainbows. We're expected to look like Wolverine. Six-pack, pecs, adamantium-covered skeleton and claws. Skin that reforms, hiding wounds and flaws. Real heroes don't hide their scars. They're rainbows, wearing their damage like rainbow tattoos. When I look into the mirror, I don't see Wolverine. I see big, shy, smiling brown eyes beneath graying lion mane. I see a man, surrounded by faint, shimmering rainbow aura, wearing his battle-scarred rainbow heart on his sleeve. Shed any negative belief you have about your body. It's not sculpted incorrectly. Minds get warped into shells chiseled out of shape by unreal celebrity imagery. Crack open that shell. Be like the hermit crab. Sidestep to choose a new spiral rainbow shell instead, with ample room for your rainbow personality to grow. No one looks like you, so rock that image. Be your own kind of superhero. Compete only with yesterday's you, on whom you can only improve. You are beautiful and brave when you're unafraid to flaunt your vulnerabilities. Get that new tattoo, pierce those body parts. No one can tell you how to dress. Rock those black leather trousers and wear rainbows. No one else knows how to express the beauty that is you. Wear rainbows. A podcasts like this show a glimmer of hope. You hearing this means you're part of this collective awakening. The society is changing for the better. So bedeck yourself in clothing that makes you feel comfortable. Stand up. Repeat after me. I am unique. I am beautiful. I love the way I look. I am a rainbow. We are rainbows. We all have mental health and it's just as important as physical health. No Really, I'm Fine shares real stories and experiences, but we aren't experts and this podcast is not an alternative to getting official medical advice. If your mental or emotional state quickly dips or you're worried about someone you know, help and support is out there. Talk to your GP or call us Samaritans on 0800 58 58 58. For advice on how to help a friend or loved one, visit rethink.org. So there's lots of favourite moments throughout the podcast. Each episode is different in their own way. And, you know, just because these are our top three doesn't mean that we didn't like any of the others. <laughs> we're not, we're, yeah. You're all equally as loved. <laughs> yes. Um, just these are the these are the uh, particular ones that stand out for us on, on a personal level. And um, my, my first one is The Depression in a Digital Age by Fiona Thomas. Which was episode 10. Yes. Um, and for me, that was really interesting because... 
Yeah, social media is something that I've always struggled with. So it was really interesting to hear that for Fiona, it's something that's been a great help to her in terms of her mental health recovery. And after that episode, I remember after speaking to her, I sort of started to look at Twitter and started to look at Facebook in, in a slightly different way. And now I almost use Twitter as my own personal diary, which can be dangerous because you're always scared of oversharing. But um, ever since I've opened up a bit more from Fiona's advice, you know, it's I've had a lot of lovely feedback and it's almost built this mental health community on Twitter that there's so many people on there that look out for each other. And that was something that I'd never noticed before until after I've spoken to Fiona because I always try to just avoid social media when I went home because, you know, you know what it's like. You're mm. on it all day like for most of the working day and you just want to sometimes switch off and go home but you feel like you can't and I started to do that but then there was one evening where I actually was feeling a bit crap and I just went on Twitter and and put a tweet out I can't remember exactly what it was now because I post a lot of (laughs) a lot of stuff (laughs) but um and I just left my phone somewhere and then um tried to stay off it and then came back and there was just so many notifications and so many messages off people just either agreeing or sharing their support and I just remember going back to that episode and thinking oh actually yeah Fiona's Fiona's quite right here yeah and I think it's interesting because it's that saying if you surround yourself with love and positivity that's what will exude from you because yeah. um I don't know where that's from but I'm sure I think it might just be from a film yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the, the it's that point of like if you if you have that positive energy around you that's what's gonna stick with you and it was and that's in hilariously um uh Michelle Thomas no relation uh who was on episode one she said something um no I say no relation to Fiona Thomas yeah they, not not to me but <laughs> they, um she said um, about how she clears her Instagram yeah. of negative people, and that stuck with me. Yeah. So it's it's on those sort of same lines of like yeah. positivity and like because like now my Instagram is just full of nice things, and it's and if I see someone that I don't or is or I don't agree with or don't have a positive experience yeah. with, I just go bye. Yeah. And then it's just see ya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, and and your in in your feed becomes yeah. a lot nicer, and that is a huge thing about digital age isn't yeah and and here is Fiona to tell us why I think it's just about um using it mindfully and thinking about it as a way to connect with people it's not a way to observe what other people do and you know watch other people do the things that you want to do or you know, criticise the way other people look or what they're up to, use it as a way to actually connect with people. So whether it's staying in touch with your mum on WhatsApp or, um, you know, sending a message to someone that you used to work with, going out for a coffee, making sure that it's real connections with people that you actually want to talk to as opposed to wasting your energy on some... Um, you know, reality star that's had their lips done and you're trying to figure out if they've had their eyebrows done or whatever, you know. You know, we all fall down those rabbit holes, but connect with real people online. Um, I think that's really important. And I, even people that I, like I say, people that I used to work with, um, you know, send them a message to say that they look really nice today or 
um, you know, use try and put some positive energy into the way you use it and use it with purpose. Um, I use Twitter a lot as well for business networking. Mm. So, like, I think that's how we first spoke was on yes. Twitter. Yeah. Um, meet with, you know, find people that are in your area and that are doing stuff that you want to be involved with. And, you know, if you've been speaking to some, someone for weeks and weeks online, then, you know, try and collaborate in some way or share their stuff or read their book or, yeah, just connect with people in a more genuine way as opposed to just scrolling through and observing from the sidelines, you know, get involved. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because I think we've sometimes forgot what social media was there for in the first place to make friends and to reach out to friends. But it can be hard when you go on Twitter and you see so much on your Twitter feed. It can be hard to, like you say, fall down that rabbit hole. Of course, yeah. And it's, you know, it's been said before, but curate your feed and follow people that make you feel good and follow people that maybe challenge the way you think. Um, That definitely helped me. I've struggled a lot with body image so I tried to follow people who already feel really good about their body and um, try to kind of drink in their energy really as opposed to following people who are promoting diet products because mm. you kind of just absorb what you see. So with our podcast we wanted to do something a bit different and we didn't just want to you know, work from the studio all the time. And while it's good to get people into the studio and share their stories, we also wanted to find out what's happening in communities across the country to sort of help people with their mental health problems. And Michael really got to the core of this and found some incredible support groups. And it really sort of showcased that there is help out there, despite sometimes quite negative news that there might not be. So... Yeah, I think um, these sort of, uh, we haven't really found a really nice phrase this, but like this sort of these out and about episodes, it sounds really awful, but we like, out and about. <laughs> On the scene. <laughs> out and about with Michael Pearson. <laughs> no, like the, we, what we wanted to do was we wanted to sort of show that actually there are some really innovative ways that people are tackling mental health mm-hmm. around the country. We were, There was only a couple in series one, which was a bit of a shame because a few sort of fell out and it's, it is hard when you're, when you say to someone, oh, do you want to come and talk about mental health on the mm. phone or come into the studio? They're actually all right. But when you say, actually, we want to come and see what you do on the ground, it's actually really hard because yeah. you you because they're creating a safe space for these people. Yeah. If you're coming in with... I know Cameras. I, I, well, I, I, luckily well, I don't have a camera, but like, yeah. it, luckily it's it's a bit of an easier sell for, for audio than it is with things. But anyway, um, one of my favourite one from series one was speaking to um, Andy's Man Club and they're a support group that runs across the UK now. They've got... Since we've aired the episode, they've actually opened up more centres. Which is brilliant. Um, yeah, and the whole idea is, is it's tackling men's mental health and um it it came out um from a really dark experience where um luke who set it up his brother-in-law took his own life and um we in this podcast you literally just hear people talk about really really raw and openly about them and their experiences with with suicide with mental health and depression anxiety all that sort of stuff in it and it and for me it was that um that thing of like you're not alone and it was so nice to just go and go out and speak to those people and what we're going to share now is two of the stories um two of the 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 men who spoke about their brush um 
with mental health issues and I just think for me I got so lost into them and I didn't know if it was just their Leeds sort of York, Yorkshire accent <laughs> I don't know if it was like those manly, York, manly Yorkshire accents which gave it more gravitas mm. but it was that that it was these episodes these interviews which you're going to hear now that um, were so great Historically I'd, I'd um, always worked for myself um was in footwear manufacturer over in Rosendale, Lancashire. When that sort of tailed off, I became, uh, put my way up to being a sales and marketing manager for a design firm over in Halifax, and then got poached to another company over in, back in Lancashire again. So in 18, nearly 19 years between those two companies. Um, but during the time of 2000 onwards, I started developing dizziness spells, and nobody could figure out why. Um, Went through five or six different consultants, nobody had a clue. And eventually, back in 2007, late 2007, I got diagnosed with something called superior semicircular canal dehiscence syndrome, which nobody had ever heard of it in the hospital. It was relatively newly discovered, it had only been discovered in 98. Because it was affecting my um, balance, my, my visuals, the audio, everything was all, it's a myriad of problems that it causes. Going on doing the same over the years, and then in 2014, uh, problems started coming back again, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, I mean, listening to your own eyeballs grinding 24-7, you know, the tinnitus 24-7, it's just, it was driving me insane. You know, I was sales and marketing manager for a, a very successful company, dealing with huge clients all over the country and it was a great job. It was a job that I loved because every day was different and I knew I couldn't do it anymore. Didn't tell my wife about what I got. I know how I was feeling because I felt ashamed. I'd let everybody down by being, you know, a feeble, ill ill bloke. You know, trust me to get someone that's hardly nobody's ever bloody heard of in the hospital. My name's Richard Smith. I'm 46 years old. Uh, well, my journey starts uh, many years ago when I was in my teens. Didn't realise it at the time, but looking back, I, I, I suffered with depression back in my teens. Then in my early 20s, my brother died um, unexpectedly and suddenly. And again, I, I never grieved through through that process because we, you know, we were just always taught to get through it, you know, you know man up about it. I got married when I was 30. Um, I had a breakdown after my second child. But again, I, I just found that it, if I went back to work and worked harder and harder, and I, 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 I got through it without, without having to think. It culminated in a year, a year ago. I tried to commit suicide. I, I was pulled out of the sea up in Northumberland. Um, I was sectioned and brought brought down to the Becklin Centre in Leeds where I, I had um, a, couple, a couple of weeks in there. I didn't find it helpful at all. I found it more stressful. But I, I, I came out of the Becklin Centre and within 12 hours I tried to commit suicide again and I spent all last Christmas in there, away from my family, away from everyone. Um, 
I came out in mid-January with a, I suppose, a kind of new determination to, to try and fix myself, but also still a stubbornness inside me that knew that I was still on a path that would lead to another suicide attempt. So from January, I started to come into Andy's Man Club and I walked in a broken person. I, I, I came and, you know, just talked, talked about everything that I, I needed to, to talk about and listened, you know, to other people. It, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done, but it was also the easiest thing I, I, I've ever done. You know, it, it, was, it was scary, but it, at, at the same time, it was the, you know, the, the weight that gets lifted off you. When my friend John told me that Andy's Man Club was opening up in Leeds in January, I came down to the second one and have been coming ever since. It might sound silly, but it, it's a safe, it's a safe space. It's a safe place that is yours to do with as you wish for a couple of hours a week. And it's always there for you. you now, even if you can't make it, nobody moans at you because you couldn't make it the week before. Um, and whatever you say within that space and to those people never goes any further. You know, there's nobody trying to, oh, no, you should have done this, you should have, you know, there's none of that sort of thing. Um, but it's people telling you how they've managed to get through the days and the weeks and the years, given whatever their problems have been. And that's the, the, the most, it can be heartrending listening to some of the stories, but it, out of that, you manage to find little nuggets of positivity out of it. Because the way that I tend to look at it is, I've got a bloody great boulder of negativity stuck on this side of my scales now. And the only way that I can outweigh, you know, to counteract that is get lots and lots of little bits of positivity, little positive pebbles, and keep piling them up and piling them up. And eventually, it'll lift it up and give me a bit... Same stupid being giving me a bit of balance because I don't have any balance. Um, there is so many people that would choose to laugh behind somebody's back or take the piss out of them rather than be honest and say, look, I really care about you, mate, but something's not right with you. And just doing that to one person could stop that one person from trying to take their own life that night. So my next episode is one with Callum Carson and this one really meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to me and I know it's meant a lot to our listeners as well for those who have perhaps experienced this and I, I hope not many people have um, and also just the nature of it, of it really. Um, so Callum came out um, to talk about his tragic experience um, by being raped. Um, he waived his um, right to anonymity and actually spoke about this in 2014 and did a story. Um, we came across this story and, you know, we wanted to reach out to Callum um, to see how he's doing now and to see if he wanted to go back and reflect on, on the situation because obviously it had a massive 
impact on his mental health. Um, and he did. And, you know, some of the shocking things, the re- revelations that he went through in terms of the courts and, and the police behaviour and just the judgment at the time um, was really shocking. And I think to see him and to hear from him now, knowing that he's been through this is just really inspirational. He is, he is literally the nicest person in yeah. the world. Because like, I was in Glasgow doing the recording yeah. and you were in Liverpool because of, yeah. of the magic of uh, technology. <laughs> um, and I spoke to him afterwards and I literally spoke to I kept talking to him for a good half an hour after you left. And he's, he's, he's that type of person, isn't he? He is. And he's actually become quite a good good friend with me talking before about the Twitter community. He's, he's one of them, you know, who we who I reach out to, um, you know, he, he worries about me and, and, um, I worry about him in a nice way. And, you know, he, he messaged me the other day to say, um, his little girl's been born. So, um, it's, it's just nice as well on a personal level that, you know, we, we've actually become friends with some of our guests, but anyway, yeah, this is Callum's story. It's, it's very harrowing. It's very, um, upsetting in some places, but what, our listeners must remember is that there was a positive outcome eventually for him. Um, when I went to the police station to identify kind of the person, you know, in, in the lineup. Um, so what happened, basically what happened with the attack was it, it was kind of one person, I guess you could say was kind of on watch out and immediately kind of when I went to the police that day, uh, they kind of showed me pictures and I said, that's him there. Uh, but when I went to do the kind of ID parade, it was actually the person who was kind of the watch out that I'd pointed to to the police. And the person that actually did it walked into the waiting room while I was waiting to kind of do the ID parade, basically. So I was like, oh, really? that's him. Yeah, yeah. So I... I yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was That's a shocking. traumatic. Yeah, the, that was a traumatic yeah. experience. He literally just kind of walked in and uh, again, I said to the police that that's him. Uh, yeah, so that was yeah, that was uh, an experience I don't <laughs> didn't yeah. want to go through. Why was it? Why was he just in the waiting room? I don't understand. I've no idea. I've no idea. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if kind of the two of them have kind of a long history of kind of were well known to the police or something. I I, I genuinely don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, I I genuinely don't know, and I kind of never got a explanation for that. I just kind of no. told the the police there that that was him, and they were like, "Oh, right, okay." Uh, so he's not <laughs> in the ID parade. I was like, "Well, obviously not." No. <laughs> Uh, but again, with, with the ID parade, uh, you have to either identify, you know, you have to identify the person or the person that looks most like him. So I had to go into the ID parade knowing he wouldn't be there, but having to pick out someone that kind of looked kind of like him. So I had to go through the ID parade and then say, I've picked this person out, but I know it's not him because it's this guy that's just walked into the room 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah. 
How did you not want to punch him there and then, or, did, or were you just shell shocked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it was just shell shock. I think I was like, oh, right, uh, uh, what? I, th- I don't think he was in the room for long either. I think he kind of opened the door and kind of walked there. I, I don't know if he was being taken to another room and walked into the wrong room or something. But did he recognise you? I would imagine so. I would imagine. Mm. I certainly recognised him anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. Uh, I would imagine, because it was only like three or four days later, uh, so I'd have to imagine so. So my next top moment was, um, it actually coincidentally turned out to be the most listened to episode in series one, and I, I'm not doing that purposely, it was just, it, it actually just transpired that it was actually really good content, and people obviously, it, it resonated with people, and um, it was, we spoke to Richard Innes, who's a man that we work with at Reach PLC, and uh, he is host of one of our sister podcasts, uh, First Time Dads, which is in the middle of series two at the minute, a little plug there, mm-hmm. um, and he's I think I said this about a thousand times in the interview one of the nicest people in this company you've met you've met him as well in your old job didn't you yeah and um he uh, (laughs) um but not only is he the nicest person in the world he also has a great mental health story to tell and um he talks a lot about his anger and it's interesting because what stuck with me was when he talks about how he was dealing with anger was that sometimes actually I get really angry sometimes and mm. I didn't even realise and I don't get I don't get angry I'm like Argh. like but I you know what we when I get worked up and frustrated about something, um I think listening to his episode was something that really helped me be more aware of, of the of, anger. Yeah, and yeah, because I cry when I'm angry. You know? yeah. it's just it's just it's it's quite an intense emotion and I don't think people sort of sometimes associate that do they with, with mental health. Definitely. And like and I just think I mean I don't really want to say too much more because we're yeah. gonna play a clip now and then you can listen to his whole episode if you haven't already, uh after this episode. Um but here he is just giving a little flavour of, of his story. I, I, found, I found it quite frustrating being in therapy in the sense that I knew that there were things it was helping me with. So the number one thing it helped me with was was alcohol. Um, I, I, again, I wouldn't say I was ever at a point of, you know, going to Alcoholics Anonymous or, you know, ever feeling like I had uh, a, a drink problem that was out of control. But I did have issues with the way I was drinking. The, I had issues with why I was drinking. I had issues with... So it wasn't even so much a quantity of how of, of of what I was drinking. It was the fact that I was binging. It was almost it was almost like medication, you know, a way to escape a feeling. So rather than having a drink to enjoy myself, quite often I'd find myself inhaling a bottle of red wine or five pints or six pints or whatever it might be, just in order to, I suppose, get away from a feeling that was nagging away at me. And that was something I was almost doing subconsciously. And it was this, was this something you do yourself, or would you do that with? with groups of people like I know for you know sometimes you can go into mm. social settings and that's another kettle of fish or was it just yeah. that you were going home and just having this this a bit, bottle of a wine bit of both to, a yeah. bit of both maybe a bit of both and um I think a tipping point for me was when uh one week I went in and I'd virtually broken my hand um I'd sort of cracked a bone in my hand and I'm busy you know sort of uh telling this story as if I was in a pub you know telling an anecdote rather than sitting there with my therapist I'm busy telling him in this kind of light-hearted fashion about how I'd got drunk uh, with my brothers and there'd been something, I can't even remember what it was, it was something I couldn't get hold of my girlfriend and I was worried about her. Uh, I couldn't get hold of her on the phone and my brother had wound me up or something. And I turned around and I punched the wall and I'd cracked the bone in my hand from punching a brick wall outside a pub. 
And then some guy had come over to try and calm me down and I turned on him. Um, and as I was telling this story, I remember my therapist just essentially just stopping me. And it was like he'd kind of snapped. He'd had enough because it turned out that he'd been trying to get me to a point where I could understand that drink was an issue for me. Um, and uh, he'd been trying to kind of guide me there. And he basically, the way he put it was that right, he needed me to understand that there and then. And I have never been broken down in such a brutal and kind of devastating fashion. It felt, I remember at the end of, well, not at the end of that session, within about, it, it, was, it was terrifying how within a matter of minutes, um, it felt like he'd broken me into a thousand pieces and left me on the floor. That, that is the only way I can describe it. I was, um, I was gone, completely gone. He, 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 I guess that's the skill of being a therapist and understanding who you're talking to and who your patient is and knowing um, how to get through to them in that, in that way because no one has ever got through to me on that level before or since. And it completely um, shattered me. And then it was a case of, I mean, he told me later on, you know, some weeks later, he told me his biggest fear was that I wouldn't come back because he, he kind of felt like he needed to get through to me at that point. Um, and when he did, um, his fear was that would I, would I just disappear? And then, and then I'd be kind of almost like left broken, I suppose. And I think what I did, I went away, um, and I was in, I was in pieces, you know, sort of <laughs> literally and metaphorically. Um, and, and I, and I did go back because I, I, and the funny thing was I didn't touch from that point onwards, I didn't touch a drop of alcohol for two years. So this is our last um, top moment, as it were. They're all top moments. Everything's top moments. Mm-hmm. But um, Gemma, you're going to tell your f- last moment. And actually, this is probably one of my favourite episodes of the series mm-hmm. as well. And it was funny because it it came around in and like we some of the episodes we'd planned for months. <laughs> we'd been planning some for like months and months. But yeah. this episode was, was literally quite last minute, yeah, it was reallastminute.com, and it actually was your favourite. Yeah, and that's. Only because, again, on a personal level, um, I was having a really bad week um, and I really didn't want to do the podcast episode well, at I know the time. You, I remember yeah. because you you said, look, I just don't think I'm going to be able to do an episode. And we're panicking because we haven't, like, we haven't got an episode for Monday. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, basically, I had a suicide scare, which we'll talk about more of our own personal stories in series two. But um, that's what happened. Um but I sort of came out the other side and I thought, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna meet Sarah. I didn't wanna let her down. Um and I wanted I didn't wanna let any of us down for for the podcast either. So I went in and did it with an open mind. And hearing Sarah's story and how she battled um, you know, a diagnosis of, of autism at, at quite a later stage in her life, um, you know, in her teens and then a diagnosis of OCD and a diagnosis of depression whilst also trying to look after her family. Um, you know, I saw myself in her a lot and it really opened my eyes to sort of rethink my own mental illness and think, have I actually got more sort of, do I need to go into the doctors again for more of a thorough diagnosis and, and things like that? Um, and what was really interesting was Sarah could tell that, I was struggling and for her to come in and struggle as well and then help me at the end of the episode it just shows how 
much of a nice person she is and how she really wants to help people as well as much as we do um but I won't go into too much detail but this this was Sarah's story and and this is why I loved it I went to the doctor once um, when I was 19 like I said I had the suitcase ready I didn't even tell my mum and dad it's mm. so hard um to even speak about I had a little case and I was like I'm going out thought I'm getting locked up now I'm not gonna see you again mm. um so I had that mm. talking about that <sighs> sorry no, it's okay. Take your time. When I went to the doctors with this case, I generally thought that these thoughts were not normal in a sense. Um, yeah. They were so horrible. And I'd lived with it for so long. I was about 19, 18, 19 mm. at this point. So this had been going on since I was 12, yeah. 11, even younger. As I said, when I was six or seven, it was like, oh, you fancy this. Mm. Um, oh, another thing my mum said when I was growing up, from the age of six, every night she used to tell me I'm not going to die. Mm. I'd be terrified of death. Yeah. would be like, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. You know, just like things that kids shouldn't worry about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I went to the doctors and the doctor just like put everything down, just looked at me and was like, do you know if you were this person that your brain's telling that you are, do you think you'd be that upset? Because mm. I was distraught, I was sobbing. Because mm. I, I was generally thought that I was, I must be this horrible person if I'm mm. these horrible thoughts. Mm. But it's about us not associating, not giving them power. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's when... And like they were the fake. game changed a little bit. Yeah. They were fake thoughts, weren't they? None of it was true. It, the thoughts of, they're not true thoughts, no. 100% not true. But it's like, it stemmed from an anxiety and a fear. Um, and it's like my worst nightmare. Yeah. My brain, I'll keep hold of my worst nightmare and like terrorise me with it. Yeah. And because I'm really sensitive to the way I was thinking at the time. Like the average person, I go, ooh, that was horrible. Draw. And just let it go. I wouldn't even think mm. twice about it, but I'd be analysing it. Why am I thinking like this? Uh, and it make me feel sick. Yeah. To the point of where I would be sick at some point. And it was just horrible. Yeah. It really was hard. And have they changed as you've got older now, have you? Or yeah. is it more you've learnt to ignore or let them pass? I think now it's kind of like as you grow up, life is real, if that makes sense. You kind of get more of a concept of reality and not real. Not real. And obviously when you're young, you don't understand love or you don't understand, you know, you know, any form of relationship or you don't understand right or wrong situations. But as I've grew up, I know that, like, I kind of worry about things that, you know, are quite normal, but excessively. So as I said, my dad's still ill, so I'll panic and worry and make myself ill over that. Like, I'll wake him up at three o'clock in the morning just to check his lab. Yeah. I'll phone him and he's, he's like, will you, will you stop? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I'm just sorry, love you. And I have to say, love you every time I leave the room, just in case something happens. So it is torturous. But as I said, it's not unrealistic thoughts now. It's not like you said, you're a murderer. Because I'm like, when I have them thoughts now, I think to myself, oh, you're really stressed in another area of your life here. Your brain's going back to old habits. It's trying to think things to, to relate to the stress. Um, so I kind of. No, I feel better because I know the difference between something that's kind of normal to worry about and something that's not. So, if you've managed to stay with us this far, then congratulations. <laughs> yeah, a, if you've managed to stay with us this far, there's only one thing you're going to have to do. Rate, review and subscribe if you haven't already yeah. because you're obviously a core listener that's yeah. got to the end. <laughs> and give us a follow and, and drop us a message. But yeah, all the... all the um, Let me just start again. In the description for this episode is going to be our Twitter handle. It's going to be where you can email us. So 
don't worry, we'll put all the links in there if you want to get in touch with us to send us your suggestions for series two or to even just, you know, review or send any comments or feedback from series one as well. That would be lovely. Yeah, like the, any feedback is great. Like even if you didn't enjoy the episode, you didn't like something, it, it's it's constructive for us because, you know, what we always say is we're not, ment- we're not you know, we're not, we're not mental health experts. We're no. two people who have mental health issues. We're journalists. We're using, we're using this, in a sense, a privileged platform that we have to push out, you know, some people's stories because we think it's important that you hear yeah. them. That's essentially all we're doing at the end of the day. And, you know, if you, you know, didn't enjoy something from series one or you really did, please just let us know. Yeah. And and thank you so much for, for staying with us and, and listening to us. It's It's been really lovely to hear that it's been enjoyed as much as we've enjoyed it. Definitely. So please just, uh, if you haven't actually already, do subscribe because what you will do is you'll get a notification probably like mid-September, which we'll have our trailer for Series 2 by then. (gasps) Um, Sort of towards the end of September, we'll have a trailer and then we come back on the 10th. Yes. So so the 10th of October, the 10th, (laughs) the 10th of August, that's uh, this Friday, which is my birthday. No, this is last Friday, isn't it? My birthday. It was my birthday at the weekend. Oh, anyway. uh, But yeah, um... Do keep in touch, you know, um, we are here to help as well in terms of if anyone's struggling at the moment, you know, we are we are available personally on Twitter, you know, you always drop us a message, um, you know, we know what it's like, so we're here. <laughs>